things um, one of the things I love about scripture if you want to turn your Bibles to uh, John 15 it's a very popular scripture we're going to be jumping all over the place and I'll give you a bunch of scriptures and if you have something to write them down and go through them because we're going to kind of go quickly through a bunch of different different scriptures and stuff but um, one of the things I love about scripture and about reading scripture and learning and studying scripture and is is tension that that truth there's some things that are that are that are just true but most truths are held in attention we're going to talk about one of those tensions today but um, I was sitting here thinking just processing what I I'm preaching about and just praying with the Lord on it stuff and and I was reminded of how the beauty of tension, um, watching Dave play the guitar. Um, you know, it gets, there's a whole bunch of stringed instruments that only work because of tension. But tension is what holds, the, what makes uh, the right tone come out of a string. So when you have a guitar, for, you have six strings on, on a six-string guitar, acoustic guitar. Um, and those strings, they don't just have to be held in tension, but they have to actually be held in the correct amount of tension. There has to be uh, an anchor point on either end that creates this tension, that actually creates six different notes that then can be changed, shifted and changed and combined to make all these different chords and notes and tones that actually we put together and we can sing to. And it's beautiful. But when something's out of tension, even just one string is out of tension let alone if all of them are out of tension, then you can do all the right things. The strings can still be in the right place, and you can, they can even be in tension, but if they're not in the right tension, you can play all the same motions, you can go through all the same stuff, but the song won't sound like it's supposed to sound. And there's all kinds of amazing, I've talked about this before, but all kinds of beautiful tension that's in Scripture. And we, sometimes when we talk about tension, we think of anxiety. But actually, tension and the beauty of tension that that um, that we're, we're going to look at today, and um, that there's this beautiful place of balance in, in tension and the tensions of Scripture. Um, well, anyway, we're going to look at some some fun ones today. Fun one today. I want to talk about the, the challenge or the tension of um, being servants and being friends of God. It's, it may be, there's a whole bunch, like I said, but it may be one of the most uh, present tensions. It's a huge tension even denominationally in the, the Christian church. Of what's more important? Is it more important to serve or is it more important to be a friend? And and we can all say, well, both are important. But our actions and our lives and our mindsets will choose a, a focus. And it's kind of like a kind of like a string on a guitar. Like if we are, if the situation changes, the circumstance changes. 
Even maybe nobody even touched anything, but the guitar can go out of tune. Temperature in the room, even the, the moisture in the air, the altitude, all different circumstances can change tension. And so we constantly need to uh, adjust the tension to stay in tune. Right, Dave? We constantly need to be checking and making sure that we are we have the correct amount of tension in this area specifically because we can get way more focused on the servant aspect of things or we can get way more focused on the relationship or the friendship aspect of things when actually a healthy relationship and a healthy um, yeah a healthy relationship with God a healthy life as a believer there is tension there has to be tension anyway that's what we're going to look at um, this is John 15 starting in verse 12 it says my command is this love each other as I have loved you greater love has no one than this that they lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead I called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Now, there's so much in that group of verses that. I mean, I've preached on this probably. I mean, at least 10 times. I was I was looking over this kind of adding up of the last years and I think since we've been here at Mountain Chapel I'm getting close to possibly preaching almost 500 times. But man that's I don't even I must have repeated myself a lot. I do not know that many things. And uh but I know that uh, I'm sure at least 10 times I've preached on this verse and mentioned it probably a whole bunch more than that. But I love the tension in this scripture, especially in the one verse. In verse 14, it says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I remember when I was a kid having friendships like that. Different than what this scripture means. But like that scripture sounds. Like, I'll be your friend if you do what I say. And you're not doing what I say. We're not friends anymore. Some of those kids, you bit my finger. We're not friends anymore. We'll be friends if you do what I say. And I, I, I remember that. And, I, and this, this, this scripture, of course, it's not what that means. Because I'll tell you this. If, if you read scripture and the God that's revealed in the rest of the Bible is not re- revealed in that scripture, you don't throw out the scripture. You throw out and change. You need to upgrade in the way you think. Does that make sense? Don't, don't change your... Don't change your Bible to fit your God. <laughs> I'm not going to preach about that. Okay. If you filter if you filter Scripture in such a way that challenges what you know to be true, your filter or your concept of God needs an upgrade. I wonder how many scriptures we just avoid because they just feel weird. I, I, I love to find those. And that's, 
That's that tension, right? We oftentimes don't like tension. We want one point. We like one point that you can you can walk all the way around it and you can see all the aspects of it. We don't like two points that pull against each other because it creates tension. And and especially if, if you have a guitar that's out of tune, even if you don't even you don't know how to play guitar, you don't know what's wrong. You can hear something's wrong. You can get this feeling of something's wrong. Something. And so we, we avoid that stuff. But I want I, I hope that some of what today does is put that tension in perspective or put that tension in tune. And so I want to I want to talk about and look at both of these these things is basically um, how do we how do we serve as friends? Is it possible to actually live in the tension of servant friends? Or maybe to create more more of a of a struggle because we're OK in the in the most of us are OK with the word servant. How about slave? <laughs> how about slave friends? Is, is there is there a world and there is there a belief system and is there a tension where we can actually rest in the truth that we're called to be slave friends, servant friends? I, I hope to put some of that into perspective um, because I believe walking in that tension, a finely tuned tension, um, is really key. It's not just key for us and our relationship with God. But it's actually really key for um, the church. It's key for the people looking in. It's key for the people coming in. It's key for the people being introduced. They're not only introduced to to God, the friend, God, the father, God in relationship, but also the fear of the Lord. So we're going to kind of look at some of that and obedience. So uh, what does a servant look like? I want to give you three three things that are important um, in in being a servant, and we're going to kind of combine these at the end. But three things: um, number one, action. Serving has a direct connection to actually doing something. Actually, has an action. It, it's nearly impossible to serve without action. So, as a servant, there needs to be something going on. There needs to be some action connected to. My belief system. James 2.26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. There must be action in our belief. There, there has to be part of our core values that actually put pressure on us to act. How many of you guys know you can act with bad intentions? So you can't, like anything, there has to be tension. It's not all about action. We've heard that message before. It's not all about what you do. It's not all about how you serve. But your belief system and your core values has to include some kind of action. You guys still with me? When when a revelation is assimilated, it demands a life change. When a revelation, when you when you learn something new about God, when you grab a hold of a revelation and actually becomes part of who you are, it demands a life change. If it doesn't demand a life change, it's not a revelation. It's just a good idea that you may happen to agree with at some level. A revelation demands a life change. It demands an action. Now, not all not all revelations 
demand a physical, like now I have to change this. Or, but there's a change in the way you think. There's a change, in, and you change the way you think, you change the way you act. James one twenty seven says, religion, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. There's a whole bunch of scripture that uh, that is a call to action. That's one of the, the more well-known kind of call to action that included in what you believe has to be what you do. People should be able to look at what you do and at least see some of what you believe. So the second thing um, in the life of a servant is obedience. Now, obedience is something, it's kind of a funny thing. We, we can have a love-hate relationship with obedience. But maybe that's just me because I still want to be 12. But um, we, most of us do. Like when we think of obedience, we think of control. We think of we think of someone. We think of whoever is trying to get us to be obedient. <laughs> but obedience is necessary in a servant lifestyle. Because the thing about a servant is, um, and, and and more extreme if you use the word slave, but the thing about a servant is. At some level, at some time, you you will be called to do something that you don't necessarily want to do. And therefore motivated by obedience. It's awesome to always be called to do what you want to do. But not very likely for very long. It's like, God only asked me to do things I love. I think you're not hearing them. It is fun when he does that. I have a funny story, but I'm not going to tell it because it's not very honoring. But I, I, I think that um, there, there has to be, there has to be uh, a core value, uh, something that's driving, that's a, a stake, so to speak, that's driven into the ground um, of obedience. Romans 2, 13, actually. This is a whole interesting passage of Scripture in Romans, but I'm just going to read this one part. It says, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Now, this is one of those extreme tensions that you you can't read Romans without going, What? And we have some responses and teachings and things to help us navigate but it's something you have to sit with the lord um if you've ever played guitar or or watched someone who plays guitar um at some point before they start playing usually they'll look at a tuner and there's hundreds of different kinds of tuners but most of them have some kind of light that tells you that you're out of tune and a light that tells you you're in tune a red light and a green light so to speak or they have some sort of sliding thing that'll tell you okay there you go you're flat you're sharp okay there you are you're adding tune. and the holy spirit is the tuner for 
our tension, our biblical tension. And I'll encourage you to sit with this reality, the reality of not just obedience, but the, the reality of the law, the tension of what of of fulfilling the law of Christ coming to fulfill the law and the challenge of being um, not above the law, but not under the law as as we are, that we're free from the consequences of the law of death. But we're still supposed to obey the law. It's a it's a great tension. It's a lot of fun. And I'll tell you, there's a place, there's a there's a tone that is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that resonates. Is a good word. That like it's like oh that's and the weather might change and then all of a sudden you got to get it back in tune. You're like man, that doesn't make sense anymore. And but but it's it's a journey that we get to be on. It's it's why there's a reason why I love it. It's because it's not as simple as one through ten, to be honest. Okay, back to obedience. Paul actually even um, compares slave behavior to obeying Christ in uh, Ephesians. It says, he's talking to slaves, but he says, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. It's It's a really interesting tension. Of course, there's a whole bunch in that scripture Culturally, we got to remember that the, the Bible actually wasn't. This is another tension. The Bible was and wasn't written directly for you. You know that the Bible actually was written to a people during a time. It actually was a book that was written. It actually was words that someone jotted down. Believe it or not, they weren't English. And the Bible applies directly to you, but it wasn't written directly to you. Tension. Anyway, that's a whole other tension. We're not even talking about that. But uh, uh, but there's a place where um, there's a, a, a collation that um, that Paul's writing here that he's identifying similarities between the way you should treat. He's trying to encourage slaves to actually love and serve their masters. But the point that I'm trying to make is that there's actually a connection to the way that he's saying that you're already doing this towards the way you serve Christ. It's still alive. Um, it's not just knowing Scripture, but it's it, it, there is an, uh, an expectation for obedience. John, uh, 2 John 6 says, And this is love, that we walk in obedience to His commands. As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that you walk in love. This is love, that you walk in obedience to His commands. It's, it's amazing watching the church figure out their freedom. I, I love it. But the, oftentimes, the in an unsanctified world, the result of freedom 
can be chaos. Because our first definition, if we, if we are free, which we are, we discover our freedom without the same discovery of, of learning how to control ourselves or learning what freedom really looks like. We tend to think freedom get, means I get to do what I want. And now that I get to do whatever I want, I actually don't know what I want to do, so I'm going to do what I thought I wanted to do when I, was, when I felt like I couldn't do anything. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out that's actually not even what I want to do. I, I told a story about um, analogy a while back. That oftentimes, um, if we just use something as simple as food, because it's kind of a fun one. If you're raised in a home where health food is really important, and you're told what you can eat, when to eat it and how much to eat. It's very healthy, very good for you. If you never learn why and you never actually assimilate the revelation of eating healthy, then oftentimes when you discover the freedom, especially as someone who's younger, you move out, you go to college, I'm out from underneath my parents, pizza and Cheetos and beer is all I need. And then I realized, like, I mean, hopefully I realize, after maybe a week or a month or maybe it takes a couple years, I realized what I thought I wanted, actually, I don't really even want. And depending how long it takes to get that revelation, sorry, how long it takes to get that revelation is often dependent on how long it takes to get back. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. Uh, that wasn't me, by the way. I never went to college. <laughs> yeah. Um, where are we? Okay, there we go. The third thing. Actually, before the obedience to love um, transitions into this, so but the, the obedience, um, the idea that we are commanded to love, is true. Um, and we've, uh, you've probably said it, or you've heard people say it, like, "Well, I'm, uh, uh, you know, those people that are difficult to love." You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't know any of those people, but. Every once in a while, you come across someone that's like, man, that person's difficult to love. But I've got to love them. I'm supposed to love them. I've got to love them. Which is true that we shouldn't necessarily love people just because you're, right? And someone else will say, oh, I just love them just because you have to. You should, you know, whatever it is. Which is true. We shouldn't just love someone because we have to. But when we don't feel like it, it's actually a great reason to love someone. Because you're being obedient. See, the thing about freedom is like you have the freedom not to love people. You have the freedom not to care. We sometimes think that gives us the freedom not to care. This. Okay. Did, I, did you guys get that? Did I say that right? It's not in my notes, so I, mean, I don't know if I can repeat it. The, we think 
as believers, I'll say it like this. Like, Jesus gave the, us the power and the authority and the freedom not to love people. And we think that that means we have the power, the freedom, and the authority not to love people. But that's not the truth. The truth is, uh, is as a believer, you need to be obedient. And the command is that you love one another. It doesn't matter how you feel. Remember, we're creating tension. I'm going to pull on the other side of the string in a second. But right now, like you, we've got to get it in our core values. That actually, yeah, I, I'm commanded to love. And sometimes that's the only reason why I do. Because I don't feel like it. That person, you know, where do you think turn the other cheek comes from? Turn the other cheek doesn't mean you need it on the other side. It means be obedient. How many, when they ask, how many times am I supposed to forgive someone? And Jesus says, basically, yeah, 70-something times if you do the math, something like that. And how many, that's forgiving someone when they don't deserve it. How many times somebody comes back to you 70 times in the same day and asks for repentance? They didn't mean it the other times. It's not about forgiving someone when they mean it. It's not about like you have the freedom to, to but you need to embrace obedience. Like I'm doing this, actually, I'm caring, I'm choosing, I'm loving, I'm acting this way, I'm controlling myself, I'm not, I'm whatever, because... I've chosen to be obedient. Okay. Um, the third thing uh, is another one that's hold, held in awesome tension, but in, in this, we're going to kind of go quickly. I preach the whole thing, but but the fear of the Lord. Um, I, I want to kind of paint it like this because it it's a way that it's made sense to me. Um, as a child fears, now there's two different different ways, so I'm going to actually ask you to think about um, not your experience or an experience, but think about loving, like wonderful loving parents, but a child that disobeys still fears those parents, not because they're mean, not because they're abusive, not because, but just because there's a, there's a fear of, the people that even even if you have a healthy relationship that is mutual in love, there's a healthy fear when you disappoint. It's I remember this tension of going from the fear of the Lord to finding that reading that scripture of that we can't be made perfect. That there is no fear in love. Sorry, that there is no fear in love. And that perfect love casts out fear. Well, if love casts out fear, and we're supposed to love, and then, right, we're getting tension. Both exist, and both are very present in Scripture. So there is a truth that is held in the tension. And the best way that I can grab a hold of it is, is the way I just explained. Like, I can remember I was blessed with loving, encouraging, empowering parents. I never was afraid of them. But I remember having the fear of the Lord. <laughs> I remember having the fear of my parents. And it wasn't because of capital punishment. It was just because I loved them and I knew they loved me. And, and 
I was about to break that relationship. I was about to hurt it, damage it, do something to it. Or that or I already had and they were about to find out about it. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. You know, I'd broken something. And so the fear of it, it we, when we think about fear, we think about afraid. We think about scary. We think about punishment and damage and, you know, which is all, we use the same word in the English language. But like the, the idea is that there's a fear of the Lord that actually pulls us back or stops us. And in the same way that I don't want my parents to be disappointed in me. There's actually a real a real thing that you, if you cultivate it, you ignore it enough times it, it goes dormant. Actually, right? Teenagers can do it too. It's right about that twelve, thirteen year old years old. They're like, but it, you you nurture it in your life with with the Lord. You listen to that. Ah, I don't want to disappoint the Lord. It's actually a great signpost. It's a motivator. It's a speed bump, so to speak. That you that your relationship with the Holy Spirit, actually, this fear of the Lord that's put in and cultivated in a healthy environment. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do anything that would damage the relationship that I have. With God. We call that the fear of the Lord. Acts 9.31 says in the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, this is Hebrews 12. I just love this verse because it makes God sound scary in a good way. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. In this scripture, there's a tension between God being a consuming fire and us being thankful. I remember years ago, Banning told a story of his car catching on fire and watching not even godly consuming fire, just earthly consuming fire burn his entire car to the ground. <laughs> like fire is not something that we think we want to cuddle with. It's nice when it's at a distance. Like, God, oh, that's nice. We don't want it to touch us necessarily. But God is a consuming fire. When the Holy Spirit showed up, it wasn't at a distance. He's not around us. He is around us. He's within us. And Luke 1, 5, 1, Luke 1, yeah. Um, says His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Our Our theology has to have a place of reverence and fear. And I encourage you that to get with the Holy Spirit and tune that, that string of the fear of the Lord. 
Because if that string has, is broken or is just out of tune, everything else won't sound right. It's got to be present. All right, so we're going to look at, so that's, those are the three, the three areas, um, action, obedience, and the fear of the Lord. And I want to look at um, friendship. What a friend knows. A friend knows that I am loved. First John 4.10 says, This is love. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, the, the tension is, is that we don't just love out of obedience. Even though when there's nothing else, obedience is sufficient. But we're actually called to love out of love. We're supposed to love because we are loved. We have been loved. We continue to be loved. We love because He first loved us. John 4.19 There's a tension of and I know we're all in that tension of loving out of obedience loving out of passion loving out of understanding and I believe that that tension will always be there as long as people are annoying so maybe maybe in heaven no it'll probably still be there I'm sure Annoying people get to go to. Yeah, mostly that's... Yeah, anyway. It's another message. Um, but that, that tension, that tension of... Um, I, I know that I want more and more to, to tune that to sound like God's heart. I don't know if God gets annoyed. I don't know. Um, we could probably argue about it. It'd be fine. We have time to do that. But um, I could make it probably a pretty good argument. I've been pretty annoying. I know. To to God, He would have all rights. Be annoyed with me. Frustrated, maybe, is a better biblical term. But He never has stopped loving me. I don't know if God has to love. Through obedience, I don't know. But I know we, we do. <laughs> Alright. So being a friend, the first first part of being a friend, the first revelation of being a friend is knowing that I'm loved. The second one is, is that I'm redeemed. some of these because yeah Romans, uh, Romans 3 21 says but now righteousness from God apart from the law says there's that tension has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God 
and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ. I've talked about before that there, there's this understanding of how much we need God, but then a revelation and truth of what we see when we look in the mirror after we receive the Lord as our Savior. The, the, the way you look at yourself after the revelation of redemption should change. The way you see yourself after the revelation of redemption should change. If it doesn't, then your revelation is still in progress. Because in order to really be a friend, you have to understand your redemption. Because if you don't understand your redemption, you don't understand the cross, you don't understand what we started with, that you are loved, then you only ever deserve to be a servant. You only ever deserve to be a slave. Remember the son, the prodigal son who left, whose, whose greatest aspiration returning to the father was, maybe I can serve, and at least I won't starve. Maybe he'll let me serve. But when he comes back, what happens? He's redeemed. He's put back at the place of sonship. Oh, you're always a son, and you'll always be a son. And because of that, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we have this, when we can grab hold of grace and, and love and truth, we can, we can be bold. We can be confident. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. I, one of my favorite, I said this in a message years ago, and it was one of those things that just came out of my mouth and, but that Christ died on the cross so you could control yourself. I, I love that because we have a million excuses why we can't control ourselves. But the fact is, is the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, self-discipline. Freedom is actually not to change, necessarily change what you do because sometimes you still do the same thing. As, as a, I, I'm talking about the, the freedom from slavery to God, slavery under the law, freedom from that is not actually to change necessarily what you do, but it does change why you do it. There's a movie called The Patriot, a great movie. You can, I don't care if you think I recommend it, that's fine. It's a great movie. There's a point in the end of the movie when they're entering in this battle, it's in the um, Revolutionary War, and there's a... Um, uh, a slave that's fighting and if you and he joined the army because if you fight for 12 months or 24 I can't remember you can win your freedom and so there's a guy there that's has been fighting and they're with them and he um, has been racist kind of the whole time towards them and doesn't want to fight with them all stuff anyway they part of the movie is they kind of become friends and he has a mutual respect for him and he, he leans over to him as, as they're about to charge into battle potential death and he says it's your time's up. You're actually free. And he looks, and they're kind of hunkered down, ready to charge. And he looks over and says, "Now I'm here on my own accord." He didn't change what he was doing. 
it's changed why he was doing it. The motivation actually changes. Now I'm going to basically now I can die a free man. So there's this this this. He still knew that I have an obligation to charge into this battle. I have an obligation to fight still. The circumstances haven't changed. But, but I understand my freedom and my choice. It's the same way with our relationship with God. Like we don't get to have freedom from from the rules. It just changes. We do them not out of only out of obedience, but also out of love now. Romans 8.15 For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father. I love the tension. So as a servant, we need action, obedience, and the fear of the Lord. And as a friend, we are loved, redeemed, and confident. We're going to take communion together. I am. Um, sorry, I should let, give our ushers more time. Surprise! We are. Um, we're in such a neat time in history. The church is in a place I think that it's never been before. We're living on revelation that we've never had before. We're learning and growing and working out our salvation. The world is smaller than it's ever been, which has both benefits and challenges. You can come up. Um, but Ami said it great this morning. The reason why we're here is Him. And we should have a blast working all this stuff out. We really should get excited about the process of tuning the strings. You know what's funny about... Um, I played 12-string guitar for a little while. Um, and it's not only twice as many strings but it's twice as much tension and when you have twice as much tension what happens is you actually have to tune all the strings multiple times because if one string is far out of tension when you tension it it actually will move the neck just enough to when they, it, you get it into, to, into tune all the other ones will be out of tune only slightly but so it takes a lot longer to tune a 12-string guitar because of the tension, not just because there's twice as many strings. Multiply that by an infinite amount. And those are the strings that we're tuning in our relationship with God. And it can be frustrating if your purpose is knowing. I've got to know everything. It's hard, it's hard when, when you I, 
I like goals too. I like destination and goals. But the following Jesus is more of a direction than it is a goal. Because it's something we never... Maybe maybe we'll feel this way when we die. I don't know how we're going to feel in heaven. But we never, we never arrive. We never get to... We just keep growing and keep learning and keep receiving. process I think well I have a high value for enjoying it the process should be fun it's probably because I've grown up in, in the church I, I've i got used to not knowing early on I remember people that were older than me telling me what they knew and me finding out that they didn't know what they knew early and so it was it was early on that I had to like reconcile that and now it's fun for me it's actually fun to find things in scripture that I have no idea what how does that work how does that fit oh I found something to grow in I found more things that I need to tune my guitar has more strings than I another area take communion but I want to I want to impart to you the the fun of the journey because not knowing can feel can create anxiety like not knowing what I'm supposed to do or I don't know enough Bible I don't know enough scripture I don't know enough I don't know enough the really important part is that you carry the Holy Spirit that knows everything sometimes we just got to listen but it's supposed to be fun I, I really believe it that it's it's supposed to be a fun journey. It's supposed to, we're supposed to enjoy that time. Yeah. Just enjoy that time. together just hours before he was going to be betrayed and the whole situation was going to kick off and he had traveled with these guys and talked with these guys and he sat down for dinner with them and just in Jesus fashion he would take these cool opportunities teach something that was eternal and he picks up the bread he breaks the bread he passes it around to him I don't know how many times this had happened but this time now they don't know what's coming they don't even know what they're doing to the level that we know for sure this before Peter even denies that he knows Jesus. 
before Judas betrays him. He passes his bread around and he says, This is my body. This is my body that's going to be nailed to the cross before very long. And I'm allowing it to be broken for you. Tell everybody about it. Use bread to tell the story of my body broken. Every time you do it, remember it. sometime later, we don't really know how much later, but a little bit later, he probably already had glasses of wine out. He picks one up. He said, this is a covenant. A covenant that's written with my blood. Perfect, perfect blood. covenant of forgiveness of redemption of grace of everlasting life this blood is shed for the forgiveness of your sins whenever you drink this remember it forget don't forget the body and the blood and whenever you celebrate it whenever you eat that bread whenever you drink that cup remember that I'm coming back remember that I'm coming back amazing moment in history it's a historic event it's not just a scripture it's recorded in, in scripture but it actually happened in a little room around the table with food I can't even barely imagine it but it's amazing and that's what we celebrate once a month a little bit of bread a little grape juice it's amazing and the fact that we from that point some 50 days through 53 days later Holy Spirit shows up everything changes now he's given us this commission to work this out. To work it out. To sit with the Holy Spirit and actually discuss revelation with the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. So Lord, we just we humbly just come before you and thank you for the tension that you've laid out for us to live in. It sometimes is frustrating and sometimes is distracting and sometimes is discouraging, but Lord, it is something that you've laid out to create a beautiful symphony that is who you are. And you've given us everything we need to work it out in the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Help us grow in these areas. Teach us how to work out and how to tune those tensions. How to tune those notes with the Holy Spirit. 
light us on fire for our our quiet time with you, our our time where we're talking and spending with you and working out the things we don't understand. Lord, I I pray for for knowledge, revelation and wisdom. and, And Lord, I pray that you would have a good time with us. Spending time with us and teaching us things. We love you and we thank you. And we remember. We remember the cross. Everything that it brought to the earth. Into relationship. Amen.